church, I'll be the first to admit that as we continue our journey through the Lord's Prayer, this is probably the sermon that I've been having the most difficulty with. And it's not necessarily because I'm at a loss for what to talk about. It's more because any time the conversation about politics comes up, people go, ugh. And I'm right there with you, right? So to break the ice a little bit, I thought it would be kind of all right to, uh, to share one of my favorite political jokes, and hopefully I don't get a lot of emails tomorrow about it. Now, full disclosure, I, I did not come up with this joke on my own. It is, uh, in fact, in the book that we are reading over the course of the study, and when I first read it, I couldn't help but chuckle because the author of that book, Adam Hamilton, had this to say as he began his conversation about the kingdom of God. He talks about a story in which two political rivals are in the midst of a debate. You know how that goes. And there's the one, of course, offering their platform and the other one offering the other, the other side of the the aisle's platform, and they're going back and forth. And then, as is often the case in politics, they start talking less about the issues and more about why you shouldn't vote for the person on the other side. And this, of course, steamrolls into a discussion, a debate, an argument, if you will, in which one of the politicians turns to the other one and says, you know, you've been saying a lot about about the Christian faith and you know all there is about Christianity, but I'm willing to stand here before you and everybody in attendance and everybody watching on TV. I bet you you don't even know the Lord's Prayer. Oof. Well, the other politician, he couldn't let that just hang there. And he goes, you know what? I'll take that bet because I do know the Lord's Prayer. And as a matter of fact, I'll recite it for you, uh, before you and before everybody who's watching here tonight. And the other politician goes, well, by all means, dazzle us with your rendition of the Lord's Prayer. And so the other politician begins. He says, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, the other one stops him. And he says, man, here's your money. I can't believe you actually knew what the Lord's Prayer was. (laughs) See, don't we all feel better now? This is why I like laughing, because when we laugh, it it allows us to be a little bit more comfortable when we talk about difficult issues. Today, we are focusing on line two of the Lord's Prayer, the one that's right over here, dead center on our wall. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What does it mean when we share those words? Words that may become more and more poignant as this year moves on toward November. Words that might become more and more poignant as we begin to hear more and more people trying to get our votes, trying to say we are the answer to the problems. We are the ones who can put this country in the direction that it needs to go. And we'll see politicians claiming the banner of Christianity using it not as a way of life, but as a way to get votes. I've learned a lot about politics over the course 
of my life. And truth be told, my voting has spanned across the entire political spectrum. I, I didn't really know what I was when I was in high school, but I'm pretty sure in our mock election that year, I voted for George W. Bush, so there's that. I wasn't old enough to really vote. And then I went to college, and a lot of parents' worst fears came true. I met a bunch of people who were different than me, and my, my opinions got changed, and I came home to my Republican parents as a proud Democrat. Ooh, watch out. We're going to get you. We're not. We're harmless. And then when I moved back home and I started commuting to school and started trying to find things on the radio, I happened across an individual by the name of Rush Limbaugh. Some of you may have been familiar with him. And he had just enough humor and, and just enough sarcasm for me to start really listening to what he had to say. And truth be told, the second time Obama was up for election, I did not vote for him. Over the course of my life, I've gotten into political debates and arguments and downright uh, almost near fights with people over my viewpoints. And it wasn't until COVID forced us all to sit and stay and behave that I finally started really thinking about the impact that I was playing on the lives of the people that read my social media posts, which was mainly just my dad. each Sunday, and, and hopefully some of you have been taking me up on the offer of at least praying the Lord's Prayer on a daily basis, but at the very least, each Sunday, we gather together, we hear the pastoral prayer, and then we join together as we pray the Lord's Prayer, and every Sunday, we say, thy kingdom come, Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice that's not my because as we engage in this one area of the Lord's Prayer and as we realize that, that the more we dive into this one line, the more it does actually become a political message in a sense, the more we realize that our politics in this country have gotten us all kinds of messed up. And the only solution is God. Now what I mean by that is our politicians, regardless of the side, they'll, they'll come to each of us at some point, either through messages in our emails, which is very annoying, or they'll send us mass texts, which are equally annoying, or they'll send us, or they'll put out little speeches and, and blog posts about why they are who, they, who we should be voting for. They're going to be actively trying to say exactly the right words to sway us to vote for them because they have that magical letter next to their name. But that's not how it has always been. See, there was a time when politicians were rightfully afraid of the people. Not because of any inherent violence or anything like that, but because it was the people who were the ones in charge. After all, is this not a democratic republic? And I just made some people very happy, but I that added republic to that. Is this not a place of the people, by the people, and for the people? Are the people that we send to Washington and to Lansing and to wherever else, are they not the ones who are beholden to us? When we go to the polls, our question should not be, why is your opponent worse than you? Our question should be, how are you going to make this place look more like God's kingdom? 
because we gather together and we pray these words every Sunday. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Your kingdom come. Thy will be done. Your will be done. We hear people day in and day out telling us and informing us and filling our heads with this idea that they know what the will of God is, and the louder they get, the more they like to you to believe that they're telling the truth. but we really have to pay attention. We really have to remember the words that we hear today from both the Psalms and the Gospel of Luke. Psalm 25 serves as a reminder that each day when we wake up in the morning, we're called to offer our lives to God because we trust God. And, we, and because we trust God, we hope that God won't put us to shame and, and that God won't let our enemies rejoice over us. We ask God to make his ways known to us, to help us uh, lead us in, in his truth, to teach it to us because he is the God who saves us and because of that we put our hope in him all day long. Our God is compassionate and merciful and full of love and when he sends his son into this world, he shows us what that looks like. When Jesus begins his earthly ministry, he reminds us that the kingdom of God is at hand. We hear those words come out of his mouth. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is on the way. The kingdom of God stands here before you today. Jesus' whole ministry revolved around showing people the true power of the kingdom of God. He heals the sick. He gives sight to the blind. He'll eat with sinners, which is still a bit of a scandal to this day. He even liked tax collectors, if you can believe that. He fed the hungry. He gave living water to those who were thirsty. And even in his darkest hour, he was unwilling to stray from the path of the kingdom of God. The passage that we get to in Luke today comes immediately following the Lord's Supper. For those of you who might be a bit rusty in the Gospel of Luke, and, and if that's the case, we're coming back to this in a couple of weeks when we get to Palm Sunday slash Passion Sunday. Jesus and his closest friends and confidants, his, his followers, have sat down and they've shared a meal together and over the course of this meal Jesus of course gives us the institution of the, the, the communion of the Lord's Supper and he shares their bread he shares his bread with them and he says take and eat this is my body that will be broken for you do this in remembrance of me and they were a bit perplexed by that and then, he, of course, he, he blesses the wine and he gives it out, shares it with those who are with him. And he says, this is my blood of the new covenant that will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And immediately following that beautiful meal, the disciples get into a fight with one another. Ain't that the way family dinners go sometimes, folks? They get into a debate about greatness about who is truly the greatest. And Jesus will say to them, uh, those who serve will be the greatest. And then he will once again remind them that shortly he is going to be arrested and that he will die at the hands of the Roman authorities and the religious authorities. And in the midst of all of that, Peter 
Good old Peter says, no, Lord, that will never happen to you. I'm not going to let that happen. And even if the whole denial thing that you keep telling me is going to happen, it's not going to happen, Lord. To which Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times tonight, Peter. He says, get ready because the night's going to be dark. And then he makes his way with his disciples to the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane. And he tells them to wait and to pray, not to give into temptation, because by now that food had kind of settled in their bodies. And of course, it's late at night, and there's not a whole lot to do outside in the Garden of Gethsemane. For those of you who've never been there, I encourage you. It's one of, uh, if not one of my greatest and most favorite places in the world to spend some time in. But that temptation does take hold, and they do fall asleep, but while they are sleeping, Jesus is off praying on his own, and in the midst of this darkest night, in the midst of all of his fear and potential anxiety about what is going to happen, because even though Jesus is is both fully human and fully divine, fear is a universal thing for us humans. And Jesus knows what has to be done, but that doesn't mean he's not still afraid to do it anyways. Even going so far as to give us one of the most human moments Jesus ever gives in all of the Gospels, where he gets down on his knees and he prays, Father, if it's your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not my will, but your will must be done. I know I'm afraid right now, Lord. And I know I'm I'm filled with a little bit of anxiety because as that great song that will come out in a couple thousand years will go, the waiting is the hardest part. But ultimately, it's not up to what I want, it's up to what you want. Ultimately, it's not up to what I would have done, and more, it's all about what you would have done. Thy kingdom come. The dirty little secret about politics is there's no such thing as a perfect political system. They all have their ups. They all have their downs. But there is one kingdom that will far outlast all the kingdoms of this earth, and this is the kingdom of God. A kingdom in which we are told lions will lay with lambs, where the weak will be lifted up and made strong, where the hungry will be fed, where those in pain will feel pain no more, where every tear will be wiped from every eye, where everybody will live and love as God lives and loves. A vast multitude of people from all walks of life coming together because they've recognized a God that loves them and they are striving to love as fiercely as that God loves. God's kingdom come. God's kingdom overshadow all the politics of this land. God's will be done. We get kind of stuck on that second part of that one. It's, it's never an easy subject to talk about the will of God because at times, as, as Debbie was alluding to earlier, it can be a bit nebulous. That's your $5 word for the day. It can be a bit hazy. It can be kind of hard to, to figure out what it is, especially when we have all these voices telling us that they know what the will of God is. 
I attest that if you want to know what the will of God is and how the will of God operates in the world, look no further than the Gospels and the story of the life of Jesus Christ. Because in the Gospels, what we see is that this world is not the way that it's supposed to be. That though God created everything in it, and God created all of creation, and though he proclaimed every single ounce of it good, we humans tend to screw it up. And it's the case from Genesis all the way to Revelation, folks. This whole book is one big story about God trying to get us to see the light, about God trying to get us to recognize that, that when we got moved by the seat of our pants, when our lives are all about me, 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 and my will be done, in the midst of all of that, you cannot have paradise. You cannot see the kingdom when you are so preoccupied with yourself. The will of God is a touchy subject. You might at times hear people say, is it the will of God that children get sick and die before their time? Is it the will of God that my partner got sick and has been sick for a long time? What kind of a God would do something like that? In the midst of all of that, I say, the will of God is to find grace. The will of God is to find love. The will of God will not save us from the difficulties of life, but it will help us navigate them a little more easily. The will of God is that lions will lie down with lambs one day. And heaven forbid, maybe even some elephants lying down with some donkeys. Who knows? But as we move into this week and as we continue our journey toward that that event that is happening in November, let us continue to reflect on the kingdom of God. Let us immerse ourselves in the story of Jesus and then the rest of the Bible. Let us see the kingdom of God in action from those who witnessed it firsthand, those whose narratives, those whose stories about God and how God works Put, uh, helped us create this Bible, this document that we have before us today through the power of the Spirit. Let us remember as we move through our days that it is not my kingdom come, but thy kingdom come. Let us remember that it's not my will be done. Let us remember it's thy will be done. Let us hold one another accountable in love. Let us extend grace beyond measure to those we interact with. And whenever those voices out there get too loud and too filled with anger and too motivated by fear, let us remember that in God's kingdom, We need not be afraid. For God's kingdom is not only on the way, it's here amongst us right now. Let us pray. Lord, as we inch closer and closer to November, It's hard to drown out the loudness. 
hard to drown out the negativity. It's hard to discern how you would move us, how you would move this country. And yet we gather together each week and we say these words and pray these words. It's not about the kingdom we want to have. It's about the kingdom you desire for this world. It's not about how we would like our kingdoms to be, but how you desire them to operate. And so today we ask that you move us away from me, that we might come closer to thee. Let us see your kingdom as a kingdom that feeds the hungry and heals the sick. A kingdom that brings people into community rather than dividing people along lines. A kingdom where all can come and find love. A kingdom that surrounds us and points us toward that future hope. Help us to do our best to hear your voice through the power of your spirit, that in all things we might do your will in this life. That we might love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that we might love others as we love ourselves. For thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. We ask all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.